If you do have your Bibles open to Joshua chapter 1, go ahead and leave those open if you would. Um, we definitely are going to be referring back to that. As a matter of fact, uh, Eric, do you, uh, do you still have that one uh, scripture passage? Because I was going to refer to that. I appreciate that. I'm sorry about that, my friend. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the reason that I don't preach with a Bible uh, up here and it's always printed out is you can probably read that from the back of the worship center today. This is 17-point type, and I know what you're thinking. That means that something on me is getting old. Yes, that is true. It's just my eyes. The rest of me is the body of a 20-year-old. I don't even have to tell you that, amen? Uh, so anyway, you know, as you can tell, I have to have, <laughs> my wife got me an awesome Bible and my eyesight just took a plunge. And so uh, all of these little bitty print Bibles are just worthless to me these days. So I had to have it printed out. But I want to refer back to Joshua chapter 1 in just a few moments, so do keep your Bibles open and do keep uh, your, your mind on the words that uh, Eric just read a minute ago. So we're beginning today a brand new uh, teaching series, and as you can see, it's fearless, and you can read it fearless, you can read it fearless, I don't know how you choose to read it. Um, my wife told me something this morning that you're not going to be able to unsee, she said to me, she, sees, she says, do you see that little dot in the middle of fear and less? And I was like, yeah, of course. I put it there, right? And she goes, yeah, that looks like a roll of toilet paper on its side. And I was like, don't say that, you know, because like I didn't even think about it. But the whole point is finding peace in a world full of anxiety. And the truth of the matter is, is that you and I, we understand anxiety, right? These days, I mean, the whole thing of the toilet paper hoarding thing, can, can we just like, Let's just admit, that's crazy, right? I mean, that's one of those things that you're going to look back and go, you know, through the grace of the Lord, I didn't ever run out of toilet paper. I don't know what I would have done had I done, you know, run, run out of toilet paper. But it's funny because the truth is, is that we've been anxious about a lot of things. And 2020 is different than every single year you or I have ever experienced. It's true. I'm not trying to pretend that it's not, but as we begin this month of fear, you know, as we kind of shift the calendar, you turn over the calendar, I can't believe it's October, but praise God for the humidity being gone, amen. I mean, it is so good to live in Houston, Texas for about the next six or seven months. It's just going to be phenomenal weather. We're excited about it. So yes, we're turning the calendar. It's October. You're seeing jack-o'-lanterns, you're seeing pumpkins, you're seeing skeletons in places, and we're here all about this fear thing. This is the month that we kind of talk about fear and celebrate it in some ways. But today I want to talk a little bit about how we can fear less in our lives. And I want to just be very clear. This is not going to be and not going to devolve into an idea of the next couple of weeks being all about the coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. It's not going to be like that, okay? I'm going to talk about fearless parenting. I'm going to talk about fearlessness in your relationships, whether that be in your marriage relationship or other relationships that you have. I'm going to talk about being fearless in your own life, how you're growing and leaving behind some things that some of you may have even carried for your entire life. And so I want to encourage you to be a part and be here. Just 
truthfully just come just be here and be a part of that um we are all wearing masks as we come in and as we leave i just want to remind you but everybody is socially distanced at least uh from the people that you didn't come in with or people that you uh, you know uh want to hang out with i'm not uh, shelly has tried to socially distance from me for six and a half months now and i've just been like against it i'm like no i disregard that i'm not going to accept that so here's the truth The truth is, is that we are dealing with fear and anxiety, and you probably can kind of identify with the concept of anxiety, and it's not just like this fear, but there's just this level of being on edge, and if you kind of understand what I'm talking about, there's a a low-level anxiety that actually can do more damage than the, the fight or flight response of adrenaline dumps that happen in your body. The truth of the matter is, is that at times, the level of your um, uh, hormones that kick up because of that low level of anxiety does more long-term damage because you don't realize what's going on. And for many of us, 2020 has been a, a practice in exactly what this low-level anxiety makes us feel like. Uh, and you probably could pick out a face or two that you kind of feel is some sort of representation of you. But I've been reading a book this week, and I want to share it with you. It's called The Fear Virus, and it's a little bit grainy there. I'm going to get a better uh, picture for next week. I thought that was a good one, but it is not. And I will just tell you that this is available on Amazon or Audible if you're interested in reading through. I will tell you that this is Ed Young Jr. from Fellowship Church uh, up in Dallas, Texas, so he's a good Texas boy. He grew up at Ed Young's Church here in Houston, Texas at Second Baptist. Church, and so he's a good Houston boy. Even uh, he's just living in the uh, the uh, not promised land up in Little D, right? So there's the the uh, the book that I'm kind of going to be sharing some stories from, some examples from, and I just want to kind of share that with you. I'll just warn you. If you get the audible, I got the audible, and he's kind of a little quirky. I'm going to be honest. Like he says, he says, well, uh, I used to be a college athlete. You know, he like does this like strange kind of weird uh, sound effects in different types. So I don't know. But if you have ADD, it might be really good for you to just kind of keep you engaged. I don't know why I'm saying that, because if you have ADD, you tuned me out like five minutes ago, and I only started preaching four. So anyway, one of the things that he mentions in here is something that you and I have talked about, we've talked about and shared in the past, but I think it is good for us to be reminded that sometimes we need to engage our mind enough to say that fear, the acronym, false evidence appearing real is so accurate. Because the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of the things that you and I fear are not things that are actually based in fact, they're based in feeling. And how many of you in here know that your feelings will lie to you at times, right? I mean, okay, y'all are out of practice. I'm gonna, when I do this right here and I ask how many of y'all in here, if y'all are here, y'all go ahead and raise your hand. This is getting back to getting back to normal, all right? So how many of you know that your feelings will lie to you? They'll tell you things that are not actually true and accurate. So the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes you are afraid of something that's not even worth your time. I don't know about you. Yes, the truth of the matter is that there are phobias out there. And I'm fascinated by phobias, not because I enjoy having them. And I have a couple. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to share some more with you next week. One of the phobias that I have, actually two next week are on my slide, and they're mine, and then one this week. But let's check out these phobias. 
And maybe you don't know what these are. Here's what you, here's what you see here. The one starting at upper left clockwise, 1.7% of people deal with what they call inoclophobia, which is a fear of crowds. For some, 1.7% of you are out there going, that bothers me just to look at that. Now, for me going this way across the top, that, I'm in that 5%. That bothers me really bad. Is there anybody else who would say, hey, y'all go to a church called Eagle Heights, man. I don't know why you're afraid of heights. I don't know why I named the church Eagle Heights when I'm afraid of heights, but that bothers me deeply, right? And then over here in the bottom left corner, 6% of you are afraid of spiders, which is, okay, by the way, that's called uh, acrophobia, which is short for like acrobat, acrophobia. This is called arachnophobia, which is a fear of spiders. Um, Anybody in here want to go ahead and admit out loud that you are afraid of spiders? Eric, you're a big studly dude. Like, explain that to me. I don't understand. Okay, and here's what I would say. Yeah, it doesn't have to make sense, right? And let me just tell you this. There is actually a thing about being afraid of clowns. How many of you knew that that's actually a thing, all right? 7.5% of the population actually are afraid of clowns. Now, y'all recognize that clown, right? I mean, Just think about how much better McDonald's could be doing if it did not choose to make a clown, you know, its kind of mascot. 7.5% better at least for McDonald's had they not made that horrible decision way back in the day. I mean, McDonald's doesn't know at all what they're doing with promotionals, right? Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. What's the next line, y'all? Thank you. Very good. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing at all. All right, here's what we do know. This is something to learn. The New Testament uses the word phobos, which is translated fear. And we get the word phobia from it. Um, Interestingly, a phobia is something that's often seen as irrational. And if you go back one slide, if you don't mind, here's the deal. For some of you, none of those are your phobia. And none of those make sense. I'm going to be honest with you. Like for three out of the four, they don't make sense to me, but one of them petrifies me. And it doesn't really actually have to make sense for it to feel like it's real. You guys understand what I'm saying? And so for some of you and myself included, some of these things feel as real as if they were standing right in front of us, you know, and going to do us bodily harm. That's how it is. It's not always rational what you or I are afraid of. And it isn't it interesting that the word phobia is the very one where God's word keeps telling us that we're not supposed to be afraid. We're not supposed to be irrationally afraid of things. He goes on and on and on. If you begin to kind of make a list of all the different times where God says, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? Or we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Or I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Or if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And you go on and on and on and on. And the Lord did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. I mean, it's 
scripture after scripture after scripture that encourage you and me to get a handle on the fact that fear is not supposed to be our master. It's not supposed to be the thing that controls us or pushes us or maneuvers us around, but sometimes it is. And for some of us, it looks like this. It looks like the ball and chain that we can never seem to get rid of in our own life. It's that thing that every time we want to fly, it pulls us back down. It pulls us and keeps us anchored in a place that we don't want to be. For some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You sabotage relationships because it's the same fear cycle that you think you're about to break free, but then you fall right back into that same pattern and it takes you right back to square one. The only thing that changes is the face that you're going through it with. And this is true for you and for me. If we're not very careful, we have to be very aware of our own fears or they get passed down to our kids, even though they're incredibly irrational, even though they're our own. And by the way, as a child, we'll talk more about it next week, you're not born with very many fears. You're only born with just a handful, mainly fear of falling and fear of loud, loud noises. But we learn all of these other things to be afraid of, and they become the ball and chain that we cannot get rid of it. And let's be very clear, I'm not just talking about a pandemic. What are we so afraid of? Man, 2020, let me count the ways, amen? I mean, we're afraid of a lot of things. I just made a quick little list. We're afraid of the pandemic. We're afraid of my job or the economy or, or my stock market portfolio. We're afraid of what's going to happen with the election. We're afraid of the divided nation and what that looks like. We're afraid of the state of my family. Will they all be safe? And we're afraid of the societal changes that are going on. It feels like the foundations that we've stood on are getting changed and shifted. I'm afraid of my grandkids or my kids' education and what that looks like. Are they falling behind? Are they actually learning? I mean, you know, is it just a YouTube video that they're watching or are they actually on Zoom, right? What about this? It's when everything else is uncertain, it brings my own issues to the very front and I can't get away from my own problems or my own health issues. I'm worried to death about every time I go outside that I might receive something that I did not want to receive from someone else. Or maybe you can just identify with this what's next? I mean, this year has felt like one thing after another, after another, after another. What is the next thing that's going to hit us in this, in this year? Well, here is what I want to communicate over the next few days and the next few weeks that we get together. Don't be afraid of these things. We have other common fears as well that existed way before 2020 hit us. And let's be very clear Many of us have feared failure way before 2020 came along, or we feared change way before 2020 was even a thing, or we feared rejection and people not respecting us or valuing us a long time before this year even began, and it can go on and on and on. How many of y'all have heard of FOMO before? Y'all ever heard of FOMO, the fear of missing out? That's not just the fear of missing out, but fear of being left out. Everybody got invited to the party, but you didn't. Trust me, I'm a pastor. I get it. Amen? All right, that's the truth. Nobody invites me to the party. It's okay. It's okay. I get it. What about being hurt emotionally? Like I'm just burying my soul here. All right. Being hurt emotionally or maybe even being hurt physically. Being judged by other people. Losing that sense of control in your life or just being left alone and nobody is around to share your life with. These are all things that scare us half to death. So now that I've talked about this, here's what I have to make sure that you understand. As strange as this sound and as 
kind of oxymoronic as it seems, the way out of fear is by embracing fear. Now, let me explain this. And let me explain. If you embrace the right kind of fear, these other fears will begin to fade. And here's the fear that I'm talking about. It's just this from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Here's what I'm telling you. In your life and mine, we're fearful of all this stuff that God is already taking care of on your behalf and mine. Now, I know most of you in here, a lot of you, you already have children. And you know as well as I know that you want to take care of those things for your child that they can't handle or that they can't get through. You will be there to help them, to guide them, to pick them up in your arms and take them across that river that they can't get across on their own. If you, as a parent who is just a mere picture and a mere fraction of the love of Christ for mankind and humanity, if you grasp it and if I get it, then I promise you that the fear of God, that, that proper fear, that respect, the awe, the wonder, the reverence that is often termed as fear, but it's really better translated in that way. If you begin to put God in its right place and in proper perspective, all this stuff begins to shrink and all of these fears that seem insurmountable begin to be somebody else's responsibility rather than your own. As that old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and then the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And the truth of the matter is, is that for most of us, we don't fear God nearly as much as we fear what this world has to offer. But if we could flip it, we would cease to be afraid in this world so much as we usually are. And we would begin to have fear and reverence and awe for the power of God in our own lives in a brand new way that we desperately need. And if 2020 doesn't tell you anything else, I'm here to tell you that you and I, we ain't in control. We thought we were, but we ain't, right? Can I get an amen on that? I mean, we can't make it go the way we thought we could. We can't make this world's will bend to ours. It just is not happening. It's crazy to think that literally thousands of miles away, one little germ made its way into a human carrier and it changed everything for every person in every nation of the world. But that's how it happened. A germ that you and I couldn't even see and could barely see under a microscope and it changed everybody's life. If that doesn't remind you that you and I are not in control, then I don't know what will. But when that does happen, instead of saying, this is horrible, I may as well just quit it all, you can just instead say, you know what? I'm just gonna leave it to God. These things that I can't change, these things that I thought I was controlling, but I'm not, these things are going to be okay because God has got this and he's got me, his child, in his hands. And that fear of God and his power lets all these other fears fade into the background. If you guys are with me, y'all say amen, amen? The cross of Christ is the very epitome of the fact that he came to conquer those things which make us most afraid. For many people, the fear of death is overwhelming and they live their entire life afraid that they might be hurt or even physically in their life. But the truth is, is that for all of us who know Christ, we know that his power one over the cause of death and the grave, we have nothing to be afraid of and nothing to fear. 
Actually, if you go back to this passage of scripture that Eric read a few moments ago from Joshua chapter one, it's a really incredible story that is so powerfully uh, connected to the life that we're living today. And it just simply goes back to this place. If you look at it, it matches so well these things that we are experiencing. In that time, actually, if you begin and you look at chapter one, verse two, it says, God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. So if you don't know the background in history, Moses is the one who confronts Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And if you won't let my people go, then here are 10 plagues to convince you that God has said, let my people go. He has the promised land waiting for them out there, but he is basically needing to get them out of Egypt and take them into the promised land. There's about a 40-year segment where those people who disobeyed God and did not accept the victory that God had provided for them, that they all pass away wandering in the wilderness. And so as Joshua chapter 1 picks up, Joshua, who's been mentored by Moses, the founder of the nation basically, is there and he is on the edge of the promised land and he's about to take them in. But just be very, very clear that Moses and Joshua were two incredibly different people. If you just look at a little bit of their life, it seems that their temperament was incredibly different. They had different personality types, but they were also kind of on different ends of the spectrum in a couple of different ways. And I want to just look at these things, this Moses versus Joshua, so you can kind of get a sense of this. Moses was the founder, Joshua was the follower, right? He was the mentee in the mentor-mentee relationship. He was beholden to Moses, and Moses was the founder, he was the follower. Moses was the miracle man. He was the guy who called down the 12 plagues. He's the guy who parted the Red Sea. Joseph, or, pardon me, Joshua was basically just a military general who had been following Moses and learning some things from him. He was experienced and Joshua was inexperienced. He was older and he, Joshua being he, was much younger. Moses, talk about confidence. He oozed confidence. But it's very clear that if you look at the passage of scripture that we read a little earlier, it's very clear that Joshua seems to be a man who needs to have his confidence bolstered. He's probably, at very best, you could say he's concerned about his own abilities to lead. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I can identify with Joshua a lot easier than I can with Moses. I mean, Moses got it all figured out. Joshua's like, man, I'm just stumbling my way along. I know this is where God's called me, but I don't know exactly what I'm doing every single moment of every single day. But here in this passage of scripture, this is the something to learn, this first one. In Joshua chapter one, Joshua is told to be strong and courageous four different times. If you were listening to Eric read that, you might've thought he accidentally got kind of on a loop, but it's true, four different times he's told that he needs to be strong and be courageous. Clearly it's a message that Joshua needs to hear and he needs to internalize. So let me say very quickly, don't miss this thing that you can see. There's a huge difference in being timely and timeless. And that difference plays heavily into our fear factor. Here's what I mean. I want to go back to this story of Joshua and Moses. In that second verse of the first chapter, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. That is timely. 
That means, yep, that's happening right now, right here. This is timely. But here's what is timeless. The power that gave Moses the strength to ascend the throne, the one who actually performed the miracles through Moses is still on the throne. Amen? You guys understand what I'm saying? So is it timely that Moses is dead? Yes. Is it timeless? No, no, no. What's timeless is, is that God has always been in control and he still is. Amen? And so for us, we need to be very careful because in our world, we figured out ways to be timely and in the process, we have lost a sense of connectedness to the timeless. I'm gonna say that one more time. I might not get every single word just the same. But in our world, we've gotten very, very good at figuring out what is timely, but we have not kind of maintained the sense of awe around those things which are timeless. In other words, when Joshua is told, you're at the edge of the promised land, that is timely news. That's exactly where they are. But here is what is timeless. 40 years ago, God would have given you that land. It's just the same way he would have given it to you then, he is going to give it to you now. This is what is timeless. God's promises still stand. That's it. That's timeless versus timely. And I want to be very clear so you and I understand. For most of us, we're constantly constantly consuming, consuming timely information and very seldom do we actually stop and take in something that is timeless. If you're not reading the scriptures, you're not taking in something that is timeless. If you're not reading books, but you're reading tons of online articles or tweets you might be really on the timely side, but maybe a little less on the timeless side. And just to be very clear, in your life and mine, things that are timely are, uh, 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 they're urgent, they're, they're, be scared, be afraid, be, because these are the things that make you and I click or watch or act or react, but they're not necessarily always accurate. Remember that acronym that we began with, false? Evidence, help me out here, appearing what? Real. Very timely, but not timeless. If you guys understand the difference between timely and timeless, y'all give me an amen real quick, amen? All right, so very quickly, here's some examples of this instant reaction or reactions on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all the other, TikTok, all that stuff. It's instant reaction. It's right now and it's incredibly timely. But you know what? In a week, it's probably not even really that important anymore. Or what about an article online or a newscast that's published or aired today? Well, that's a little bit more, more perspective, but not necessarily I mean, the same, because you've heard of the 24-hour news cycle. That, that's the thing that we used to have when newspapers came out in print. Yes, some of you teenagers, they used to come out with actual newspapers in, on actual paper, right? Uh, what about a magazine article that's published once a month? Even now, if you begin to read, those things are not trying to be nearly as timely. They're being more timeless, things that are still going to be interesting in a month. Have you ever stopped to think about things that you really get worked up about? A lot of the time you won't even care about in three days, much less a week or a month. I mean, seriously, give it some thought. But think about this. 
a book or a novel that's printed once a year or once a decade, don't you think that if you only have something that you're going to say one time per year, you're going to boil away a lot of that extemporaneous stuff that doesn't really need to be there, and you're going to get some serious truth, some serious things that are important. For most of us, Part of the reason that we can't control fear in our life is we are constantly consuming the timely and totally losing touch with the timeless. This is where God exists. He is timely and he can speak, but through his word, he speaks those things which are timeless. And you and I need to hear today, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, thank you, Lord, for being the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth stands. And if I can grasp that timelessness, some of the timely things that got me so worked up are not nearly as important. And so here's the big idea that I want to share with you. Here's the big idea today. When you feel yourself getting hysterical, Choose instead to get historical, all right? Now, that's not mine. That's from the Ed Young book. I thought it was so good because I want to talk about what that means and how that feels in your life and mine. So when you feel yourself getting hysterical, choose instead to get historical. Here's what I mean. Let's go to this next slide. Here's what I mean. If you're going to get historical, you recall the times that you feared something that never actually happened. Can I get an amen? It has happened to us all. We've been paralyzed by fear because of something that never actually happened to us, right? It's true. This is a truism. And that's why being timely feels so scary, but timelessness, you have perspective. And in this situation, you and I have been afraid of things that never actually happened. As a matter of fact, in that book that I referenced, The Fear Virus, this is what he shared with us. He says these words, Dr. Robert Leahy I'm going to be honest with you. I hope and pray I got his last name spelled correctly. That's what it sounded like on my audiobook. all right? I'm just telling you, all right? But Dr. Robert Leahy is a clinical psychologist, director of the American Institute of Cognitive Therapy in New York City. And he said this. He said, when it comes to fears in his own patients, he said that 85% of the things that his patients feared the most never even happened. Y'all say 85 with me. Ready? One, two, three. 85. How much of a percentage? 85% of the things that they were afraid of never actually even happened. Wow. So when you feel yourself trying to get hysterical, you need to get historical. 85% of the time I've been all worked up about something like it's going to change my life. It never actually even happened. Right? Now, but wait, there's more. Just like I'm on QVC, man, you know you're scraping the bottom of the entertainment barrel when you're watching skincare ads and you're a dude, right? Okay, this is true. But here, wait, there's more. Dr. Robert Leahy said that 15% of the patient's fears that actually did happen, most of his patients said they were better able to handle it than they expected. How many of y'all have had that to be true, right? Or... They were glad that it happened because it taught them a lesson from the negative that actually did happen. Now, I'm not saying that everything that bad that you're afraid of, it will never happen and you will love it even if it does. Now, I'm not trying to be like that, but I'm trying to say, get a little historical 
So you've got more perspective. Because the truth of the matter is, is that for most of us, this is pretty unprecedented territory that we're in. But God has always been here. The God who calls those things which are not as though they were, as Romans chapter 4 says. He's already been in 2020. He's already seen beyond it. He already knows how it ends. And he already knows that we're going to win. What a beautiful blessing to be reminded that we need to get historical and say, you know what, I'm not going to get all worked up about stuff I can't control anyway. I'm going to get historical and realize that God has got this He's got me, and we're going to make it through together, he and I, and he's going to take me to a place that I did not realize. That's the how you get historical. Firstly, here's the second. I've already talked about it. The times that what you did happen, a fear did actually happen, but NBD, everybody know what NBD stands for? What does it stand for? Oh, man, none of y'all, no big deal. No big deal. All right. Yes, I'm cool and hip, just like all the kids think I'm not. Right. I'm not. (laughs) All right. Very quickly, Psalm chapter 27. And I I think this is a great passage of scripture for you. If, If I'm speaking right to you right now, if I'm speaking right to you on that camera, maybe that's the camera I'm dealing with today. I don't know. But if I'm speaking right to you, here's what I would recommend. You probably need to get this verse in your vocabulary. This verse is one that you can easily memorize and remember. But whenever you feel that level of anxiety creeping up on you, you can say these words to yourself. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is in control. And he's the one who has got things under control, including me. Let's get historical one last time very quickly. It's not just these things that we've talked. It's what you feared never happened. It's what you feared did happen, but it was no big deal. And then the times that you actually did experience what you feared was was a big deal, but you got stronger and or you got over it. That happens a lot. So if you get historical, you realize that probably less than five, seven percent of the things that you actually fear are things that you actually could prevent. And truth be told... For most of us, we might do a few things different before 2020 hit. I mean, I don't know, maybe a few more canned goods. Can I get an amen, right? I don't know. But here's what I know. Our lives are going to be all right. We're going to make it through. We're going to make it through. It's going to be okay. But the problem for most of us is that we're paralyzed by fear, by these things that never actually occur or never actually were a big deal. Here's the big question for you and for me. We need to ask ourselves, what is the fear that I need to find victory over? And what is the historical evidence that I can win? Because you know as well as I know. Here's what I know. I know that God has moved in my past. I know that he has not brought me this far to go, washing my hands, old Randy, man. Got nothing to do with that boy anymore. I've already used up all the grace that I want to use up on that problem issue, right? That's not who God is. His mercies are new, what? Every single morning. His mercies come to you and to me when we need them every single morning. He is God. He wants to pour out good things on his children. And so here's what I ask myself. In my life, what do I need to overcome? And how can I do that? What's the historical evidence that God has got me and he's gonna work through it with me? He's gonna find me a path to win. Here's what I would say in this next slide. Let's check it out. As we look at this next slide, they 
see this in Joshua. You see, if you go back to this passage of scripture that Eric read, I'm getting close to the very end, so y'all hang with me just a little longer. If you see in this passage of scripture that Eric read, be strong and courageous from God, be strong and courageous from God, be strong and courageous from God. And then the fourth time, if you notice, it's not God that is encouraging Joshua to be strong and courageous. It's the people that he is leading. Here's what you and I need to be reminded of. Those fears that you and I think are inside and in our minds and nobody sees them and nobody hears them, nobody knows them. They're all my own little secret. Here's what I would tell you. You're wrong. (laughs) I'm sorry. You are not nearly the actor or actress that you think that you are. There are people who know what you are fearful and afraid of. They probably won't tell you, but they know. You probably know what's wrong with me. (laughs) Why? Because it's not that hard to figure out. I'm broken. You're broken. We're broken people. That's why we need a God who puts broken toys back together. Amen? I mean, we're all a bunch (laughs) bunch of misfit toys, right? So it's all good. That's why we've got God. But here's what we know. As Joshua is desperate to to lead these people, these people are telling him, Joshua, don't forget, you don't have to be Moses. Just be strong and courageous and we're going to follow you. And then they go even a little further and they say, and anybody who doesn't follow you, anybody who flakes out on the military in, in this situation, anybody who deserts militarily, they're going to be put to the sword because you are going to be strong and courageous and we're going to follow you as you do. And isn't it interesting that God's word tells Joshua, as you continue to meditate, as you continue to abide in the truth of God, you will continue to prosper. And as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. In other words, the more that you have connection to God, the more peace and prosperity you are going to experience. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. But it means that you will have a sense of peace even in the midst of an incredible storm. It is so important and so valuable. They answered Joshua, whatever you've commanded us, we're going to do it. And wherever you send us, we will go. And just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will fully obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And then the next line in this scripture, he says this. The people say this to him, whoever rebels against your word doesn't obey it. Whatever you command them, they'll be put to death. But make sure that you are strong and courageous. Four different times, Joshua is reminded. And what a beautiful thing to be reminded in the midst of political turmoil. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you may go. Amen? Amen. All right, so very quickly, how do we overcome fears? And then we'll just talk about very quickly. I'm moving fast. How can you overcome your fears? Here's some very, very practical ways. Set an alarm with reminders for you. Set an alarm where your phone goes off and when you pull it up, instead of it saying it's four o'clock or whatever, have it say, don't forget, God's got you, (laughs) right? Or 10 o'clock in the morning, don't forget God's at work in your life and in the life of your family and pops up and it reminds you. And yeah, it's repetitive, but you'd be surprised at how often you and I need to be reminded because the truth is, is that your confidence, my confidence leaks. 
It has a way of diminishing and we need to be reminded of the timelessness of the truth of God's power that resides with his people and with his kids. Read and memorize God's word. I encourage you already, Psalm chapter 27 or some of those that I mentioned, you can go back and listen to those on the podcast or on the stream. Get one of those and read that. I'll be sharing a couple with you over the next couple of weeks. Pray about the fear you have. It's incredible how much we talk about we're afraid, but we don't talk to God, the one guy who could do so much for us. We talk to everyone else and talk so little to God whenever basically we are constantly reminded to pray about the fear. And then take action. Actually get out there and do something. Have you noticed that fear paralyzes us? It puts us in a spot where we don't move, we don't want to get up and do. But isn't it interesting that when we get up and begin to do and take action, things begin to dissipate as far as the fear and our confidence begins to grow. That is so true in every area of your life. Do the thing which you fear and fear of, you know, that fear's death is certain. And then I would also say that fifth thing very quickly, starve the sources of fear in your life. Starve them out. Whether that's things that you're consuming in the timely manner, but not timeless at all. Get rid of those things constantly having influence in your life and let those things go away. Very quickly, I share with you some common fears. I ask you to ask yourself, what are the fears that you face? And what is the very thing that you deal with the most? What is that ball and chain, so to speak, that has been the fear that you have carried around in your own life for so long? Because here's what I believe that we can do as we apply this message. I think, first of all, it's important that we identify it and identify the fear by name. You see, for most of you or for most of us, we think about the fear that we have, but we've never really gotten very, very specific and called it out by name and said, this is the thing that I actually am afraid of. And we live with this constant low-level anxiety and we live in fear and, oh, we don't, and, oh, I'm afraid and, oh, you know, constantly less than what God has created us to be. But the truth is, is that this is how you apply this message. You, first of all, you name it by name. And then secondly, you speak out about it. First of all, to God. Secondly, to yourself. And then thirdly, to a trusted friend. You do those three things. And I believe that you will begin to see measures of victory in your life when it comes to your fears. So speak out about it. Identify that fear by name and then speak out about it. Very quickly... I want to go back to the idea and the concept of false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Maybe you do or maybe you don't know this about me, but I grew up in Oklahoma City. I actually lived there for about 20 years of my life. Uh, that's where I actually met my lovely bride. We went to middle school together way back in the day. And I was actually living in Oklahoma City when the Oklahoma City bombing took place. And I don't know if you guys know much about the Oklahoma City bombing, but it was, uh, it, I think it's still to this day, the largest act of domestic terrorism that actually has ever occurred on um, United States soil. This is a picture of the memorial in Oklahoma City in downtown. And you can see there in the background where it says 903. There's actually two walls. One says 901, one says 903, the bomb went off in, uh, at the 
a.m. hour, 9.02. And so in that place, there's actually a chair for every single life that was lost, 168 lives lost on that particular day. It's really a sad and very meaningful and moving place. Um, I remember driving towards the bank that particular day and I saw smoke in the distance in the downtown area, had no idea what was going on. And then I received a phone call and they said, have you heard what happened? There was an explosion downtown. We thought it was just like a, a like some sort of uh, industrial accident or something like that. And then later realized that it was an act of terrorism. 168 people lost their life. But I was there and I remember what happened. Uh, there's a picture of the building. It's, it's, it's shocking, really, to see how destructive it was. But what was really interesting was I remember the rush that we desired so desperately to figure out who had done this to us as a city. We wanted to figure out who the bad guy was and catch him. And I remember and recall that unfortunately, that was credited to Middle Eastern terrorism and Muslim extremists. That's who everybody was looking for that day because that's who committed this crime. We just knew it. And then that happened on that April 19th and the 20th is still the same story. And then they pulled over a car and there's a picture of this car, this horrible, terrible, awful looking car that didn't have a license plate. And they held the guy because he did not have a license plate on this terrible getaway car that he was driving. And they found that it was not actually who we thought it was. We were trying to pin it on the wrong people group, much less the wrong people. And this is actually what the people who committed the crime look like. The biggest problem that we had was that those people look just like us. Domestic terrorism. You understand what I'm saying? It's different. It came from among us. We could have lived next door to these people. There's just this fear of other when the truth is, is that we have no idea what we're supposed to be afraid of. If you constantly live your life in fear, you're going to trust the things that are not trustworthy and you're going to distrust those things which would be. You and I, we always have this thing of false evidence appearing real. We're so quick to get the story down that we don't worry if we've got the story right. And I'm here to tell you in your life, God has brought you through. If I gave you a microphone and called you up to this spot, you could tell me how God has worked in your life, how he brought you through something that you couldn't have done on your own. Then stop acting like he's done with you. 2020 may have thrown you for a loop, it may have thrown all of us for a loop, but the truth is, is that God is still in control. He's doing something. He's up to something. And what a crime and a tragedy it would be for his children to get so short-sighted and forget that he is still on the throne. And whatever he's up to, 
I know where the winning side is and that's right beside our Savior. And I'm not leaving that. I'm not leaving that. I'm not walking away from that. I'm not forgetting what he's already done. And if you have lost sight of that, don't let it steal your joy. You can live a fearless life if you fear the one who is sovereign and holy and in control, even of this out of control world. Heavenly Father, as we end our time together, we know that you have worked in the past, that you have done things that are great and marvelous and mighty in our world and in our own lives. May we never forget, Lord, that what you've done in the past, you can still do today. And may we not get hysterical in this world. May we get historical and be reminded that you, Lord, are still in control. In Jesus' name we pray. stand with us.
think about what God has put in our lives. We're fighting a battle. And Satan is always going to want us to fear and always be afraid. And it's about, it's about what we're putting in our lives, what inputs we're putting in our lives. We all are going to struggle with fear. It's always going to be here. It's always going to be things going on, whether it's personal issues or whether it's something that's, you know, out in the world that's causing a fear. But what's interesting is, is how do we address fear? And I'll tell you for myself personally how I deal with it is I allow the right inputs to come in my life. And what I mean by that is the right people. If you have people who are creating fear in your life, that may be an input. It may be what you read, as Pastor was talking about, but also what we hear, right? We're listening to things every day. What are we watching? And, you know, for me, like a song like this, for instance, this song right here, I can tell you there's been multiple times where I was afraid of something and I actually would listen to this song and I would get overwhelmed and overjoyed with what Christ has done for me where it begin to have me cry because I realized at that moment I'm at peace. And no matter what is going on, no matter how bad it is, or no matter what that fear is, God will put you at rest. We have to lean on him. And there's another song that I've been really listening to because there's a lot of things in my life that I be, I'm afraid of, I guess, if you want to say, or be, be potential fears in my life, whether it's with work, I'm, you know, kind of taking on two different roles right now and just, you know, personal things you're struggling with and things like that. And there's another song that almost every single morning when I go out and go out for the day, I listen to, you know, I either play it in my head or I listen to this song called uh, I, I'm going to see a victory. And the reason I listen to that song is the words in the song. Again, what we put in our minds and what we have put in our hearts. You know, it's I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to us. But then it says you, who he's talking about God, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it to good. And that's what we're talking about. Like at the end of the day, we can look at facts that aren't true. And we can take those in and allow ourselves to be afraid or we can put our faith in the one true God. And when we do that, nothing's impossible. And so I encourage you today as you leave today to just figure out what are those inputs in your life that's going to make a difference for you. And every single day, we fight a battle every single morning. Every single day we get up, we fight in a battle. But are we allowing God to fight the battle for us or are we trying to do it ourselves? So I encourage you to just put him first, start with him, and end with him. You just heard God's word today. Now let's go and let it. Thank you.